get started, um, uh, just a report on Tim Stafford. He did have, uh, believe it or not, a little trouble in one of the airports and must have gotten lost in one of the airports. But I'm glad to report that he's safely on his way now and, uh, and headed for South Korea. So we want to continue to pray for Tim, uh, Tim Stafford and his dear wife as they are taking on the challenges of beginning a work there in South Korea. God bless them in every, every, every aspect of that. Um, we are in Genesis chapter 12 this morning. And so maybe we'll turn there, if we could. And we'll begin... Genesis chapter 12, um, chapter 1 through 12 deals with 2,000 years of human history. After chapter 12 to the end of Genesis, it's about 350 years of human history. So we had a lot that was crammed in to 12 quick chapters um, in, in the book of Genesis. But now we slow down a bit and we begin to look... Uh, into chapter number 12, which is the covenant made with Abram. And I read, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing." And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, and Lot his brother, brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, unto the plain of Moreh. And the, and the Canaanites were, there, were then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there build he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto the mount, the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he should build an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still towards the south. I want to begin there with the, uh, the call of Abraham initially, the initial call of Abraham, and I'm trying to uh, locate my notes. I should just pull them out of here. Yeah, there they are right there. Um, but what we're dealing with here is God's call of Abram. And the call was actually made, according to Acts chapter 7, it was actually made out of Ur of the Chaldees. And there was partial obedience to that call. 
Now, some, some would like to think that, that what we have here is we have Abraham who's going from a, a very crude existence in Ur of the Chaldees and, and, and he's going over to what the Bible calls the land flowing with milk and honey. So, in, in that case, if it were that uh, uh, kind of scenario, why it wouldn't be much of a decision, would it? It would be very easy for him to, to make that transition. You're going from a very crude existence over to a land that is blessed of God flowing with milk and honey. And many of the Bible scholars in bygone days felt that Ur of the Chaldees was a rather crude place until in relatively recent history, they began to dig in that particular area. It's actually south of Babylon and it's on the uh, east side of the Euphrates River. And upon digging, they came to discover that this particular society in Ur of the Chaldees was a very advanced society. They found evidence there of libraries. They found evidence of, of, of institutions of higher learning, i.e. colleges and, and other institutions where there was higher learning. They found a very elaborate system of indoor plumbing. Well, that's pretty amazing, you know, back then. I mean, uh, there, was, there was public bathhouses in most places you went. These people had bathtubs right inside their homes. Now, we've got to realize that, that, that though he made some mistakes on his path to the land of Canaan, the, the place that God said, I would bless you in, you need to get in that land, he said. He gave this message at Nerve the Chaldees. And after that, whoop, silence. Well, he said, you need to get in this land, the land of Canaan. It's on the other side of the Euphrates, or, 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 yeah, the Euphrates River. You need to get there, you see. So God went silent until he moved. Well, he moved. He moved north up into Haran. But he still didn't go into Canaan. And, and as the command was, in verse number 1, it says, The Lord said unto him, Get thee out of thy country, from thy kindred, and from thy father's house. Well, I'm not here to criticize Abraham because if, if you would have asked me to go into a, a very arid desert-like existence in the land of Canaan and I just came out of one of the most advanced civilizations known to man at that time, it would have been a hard transition. So we don't want to fault him. We don't want to beat him over the head. And, and, but we do want to recognize that partial obedience is no obedience at all. He went north to Haran and he took his father. And he took Lot, his nephew, and, 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 he, and he went there. And, and you might say, well, well, well God, you're, you're, you're asking a bit much here. Here's a man who has Lot. His brother had died and, and, and so he has Lot. And that's a good thing, right? You want to take up that responsibility. Here's a man who has a father who's old in age. Uh, he himself was probably uh, well into his 70s at this point. And Tara was, I don't know how old. It's a good thing to take care of your elderly parents. It's all a good thing, right? 
Except in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 1, it tells us and leaves us into a little secret that was going on, you see. For it says, Terah worshipped idols. And, and so, God was basically saying, this, you have to move out of this. You have to make that transition. And so we see history conforming to the grand plan of God. Now, just to dwell on this just a little bit, if we neglect the Old Testament, we are neglecting the great picture book of God the Father, the great picture book that He has left us in order that we might understand more of His grand plan. That was formulated, by the way, before the foundations of the world were ever laid. And so, what we have is we have history conforming to, to, to follow out His grand plan. Now you say, man, that's pretty amazing. How could God do that? Well, do we limit God? And, and so, we have these pictures. We, we, have, we have this man, Abram, and, and, and he's there in Haran. And he's, he's got his, his, his father. And, 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 but he didn't obey the will of God. And we see the same struggles today. We see the exact same struggles today. God is basically saying, you know, I want you in this land that I have provided for you. And Abram didn't move. So, God moved. Well, if you're not going to move, I will move. And you see, in our lives, sometimes there are things that, that will actually keep us from the divine will of God. You say, oh man, alive, I, 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 don't, I hope that does Well, it, it, it might not be a father, it, but it might, be, it might be junk. We might have junk in our lives that is keeping us from God's plan for our life. And God said, okay, in your case, you feel like you need to hang on to your father? I told you to go from Ur of the Chaldees. That's way south now. And then you traveled up to Haran, uh, and, and, and somehow you, you, you thought that that was obedience. It was no obedience at all. Then the old man has to die. Now, that's got a double meaning. I did it on purpose. In our own lives, often the old man has to die. We, we find that in Romans, don't we? The old man. Something in our lives that, that is hindering us, keeping us from the divine will of God. That old man has to die. And so the old man did die. And then it says in verse uh, number 2, And I will make thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be blessed. 
And he begins to categorize the blessings that God had in store upon his obedience. And finally, Abraham took Lot and the souls that he had gathered in Haran, the Bible says, and he went over to the promised land. Was that complete obedience? Well, in actuality, it was not complete obedience. Because verse 1 tells us that he was to leave his kindred and his father's house. Kindred, friends, lot, the whole thing. And so, there wasn't complete, absolute obedience. And, and, and so, God took his big fist and just bam, down on Abram, and that was the end of that one, right? Well, praise the Lord, God doesn't work like that, does he? Because I'd, I'd, I'd probably had concaves in the top of my skull to prove that he'd beat me down a few times as well. Oh, you see, these promises, all these promises that he promised in verse number 2 of chapter number 12, all these promises are, are, are not geared around our obedience. This was an introduction of faith. Abraham being the father of faith. This thing is a problem. So this is the introduction of faith. God's new principle by which He would work. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And so Abraham would begin to live out a life of faith. Chapter, chapter 12 and verse number 1, we have the call of Abraham. And it was partially uh, 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 followed, obeyed. And in some senses, he was, it was partial obedience, wasn't it? But God continued on, didn't He? And then verse 2 and verse 3, we have faith's blessing. God was, was going to bless Abram on the basis of his own obedience? No. On the basis of God being God. And God will do what God will do. You have Isaac. And then you have that scoundrel Jacob. And you say, man, alive, I, I, I cannot believe that God would continue on with this, this usurper, this, this deceiver. And God kept blessing. And then there was Judah. And the problems that he suffers and, and, and the disobedience that he went through. And then there's great King David and, and his faithfulness, yes, his faithfulness, yes. And then there was his problem with a certain woman. Well, then God won't bless. He won't continue on. That's not the nature of God, is it? With all these problems, God continues to bless. And He will continue to bless. And so Abram goes over to the land of promise. And it says in verse number 2, And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. 
Where is our connection with the nation of Israel? Well, the seed plot for the Son of the living God, the Messiah, the one who would come and redeem mankind, the one of whom it was said, for God so loved the whole world that He gave His only begotten Son. From Abraham's seed came the Lord Jesus Christ. And you see what's happening here is chapter number 12 of Genesis begins the foundational work of all the rest of the Scriptures. From chapter number 12 and these promises that were promised to Abraham comes the outworking of the Word of God all the way through to the Revelation. For from that seed plot would come the Son of the living God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now the the covenant theologists say that the church sprang out of Chapter 12 of Genesis. We know the church sprang out of uh, Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost, don't we? But there is a connection, isn't there? For from that seed came our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. So faith has its blessings. He'll make His, his nation great. He'll make His name great. Great. He'll bless them that bless thee and, and curse them that curse thee. In thee all the families of the earth shall be blessed. This is unconditional. It's not conditioned upon obedience on the part of Abraham. It's not conditioned upon the obedience of his uh, future prodigy. It, it is unconditional. It is based on God the Father. It will not be changed. Is Israel still in the plans of God? He absolutely is. All of Israel, the nation. God's earthly promises bleed through the nation of Israel. And it continues on. Those who who believe in replacement theology, where they come into big, big problems, is the book of the Revelation. Because in the book of the Revelation, it has a seven-year period called the Tribulation. And then a thousand-year period called the Millennium. And after about chapter number four, you see that the church disappears. And all we have is Israel. And all those promises that were made to Abraham come to life again. And God begins to move through that nation once again. He will move through that nation. Mark my words. We come up with strange things like amillennialists, people that don't believe that there is a millennium. Why would, they, why would they go to that length? Because the millennium stares them in the face and says, I love Israel from God. The seven-year tribulation, the same thing. Even those who came up with these strange theories that that somehow the church is the spiritual uh, uh, blessing that bore out of Abraham. We are blessed. We are blessed. We are called the bride of Christ. That is a very blessed position. But Israel is blessed also.
And that's not to be forgotten. God will work His plan all the way to the end. And this, chapter number 12, is the seed plot that happens there. And so, faith in action. Abram finally leaves. He takes off from Haran. He moves his way south and to the west. And he makes his way to the land of Canaan. It says in verse number 5, And Abram took Sarah his wife and Lot his brother's son and their substance, and they had gotten the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through uh, the land under the place of Sychem, unto the uh, plain of Morai, and the Canaanite was in the land. Now, the Canaanites were mortal enemies of the nation of Israel. They are mortal enemies of the nation of Israel, and they continue to be mortal enemies of the nation of Israel. And this is where God told Abram to go. I want you to go right in the middle of enemy territory. Why? Because, Abram, I want you to do something. I want you to live by faith and not by sight. Because the natural man, through the eyes, would say, what sense would ever I have in going to the very middle of my enemies? God said, I want you to go to the middle of your enemies. I will take care of you there. And so it says in verse number 7, He built an altar. He built an altar and He set up a tent. He built an altar. The altar was solid. It was Undoubtedly, it was from Abraham's own hands that he took the blocks and he began to build this altar so that he might give thanks to God Almighty in heaven. And he set up his tent. Now, this is not very popular because we'd like to change that around, you see. What we do is... Is, is we build our homes. Solid base. My whole life is here. And, and, and my worship of God, well, that, if I can find time, <laughs> you know, if there happens to be a church real close by, I, I might go, you know. Sometimes I'll ask people to say, to say well, we're moving up to here, or we're moving up to there. And, and my first question is, uh, do you have a place to gather? In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, well, you know, when we get there, we'll find some place. Well, you're doing just the opposite, you see. You're building your home and the temporal part, that's your fellowship with God. Uh, Abram got it the right way, right? He built the altar. It was a foundational altar. It was there. It was permanent. And he pitched his tent. That's a good way to live, isn't it? That's a good way to live. Easier said than done. I'm not saying, oh, you don't need you don't need a house of foundations then. Mr. Rent told us today that we're going to go get tents and everybody's going to go crazy going to this play, tent maker or something and, and pulling out tents. That's not what I mean. I'm talking about this thing here, our heart. How we live. 
Are we living in temporal status here on this earth? Or are we down deep into the foundational roots of this earth thinking that it will never change? Pitch your tent and build your altar. It was between Bethel. Bethel is the house of God. And, and on the other side, it was Ai. That's the house of ruin. You, you see how life is? That's exactly the way life works out for us, you see. It, it isn't that though we can go to some sort of an isolated place and, and never be tempted by anything, uh, n- never be exercised in our faith as far as that's concerned. You see, Abram was told to go to between Ai and Bethel. The house of God and the house of ruin. Now you, by faith, you make the choice. Are we going to spend our time in the house of ruin? Or are we going to spend our time in the house of God? You see, God didn't isolate Abraham, insulate him from, from all the problems of life. He said, come on. Come on. Grab my hand. We'll go together. And we'll defeat this thing. And we'll show glory to God as a witness to those who are on the earth. And that's what he intended for the nation of Israel. It's exactly what he intended. So he pitched tents and built altars. And he pitched tents and he built altars. Everywhere Abraham went, follow it through. He pitched tent and he built an altar. Because he knew that this, this, this particular world, and we find out from Hebrews chapter 11, that his attitude that this is not, this is not where I'm living. I'm just a passing through. My treasures, they're laid out somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't feel that home in this world anymore. And then there is verse number 10. And we go on and we find out that uh, there was a great famine in the land of Canaan. And, and so Abram decides to pick up everyone. It's easier when you're living in a tent. Pick up everyone and go into Egypt. Was this right or wrong? Now, Josephus tells us that uh, the, the, the land of Egypt was a land of plenty. In other words, there was plenty there. There was plenty enough in despair. So, so uh, Abraham probably said, well, you know, uh, and throw logic through his mind, the natural thinking process, got nothing here, got plenty over there, let's go a lot, let's take off. And he makes a journey over to Egypt. Was it the right thing to do? Well, let, let's go to the divine commentary, the Word of God, and let's see if it's the right thing to do. Isaiah chapter number 31. Isaiah chapter 31, and it says this, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help! Now, this is a divine commentary. This isn't me saying this. So, was it right or wrong? Uh, For help. And stay on horses and trust in chariots because they are many. And in horsemen because they are very strong. But they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither seek the Lord. 
Woe to them that go down to Egypt. So, so the commentary of, of the Word of God makes it very clear that this was a mistake, a terrible mistake. And the consequences of that mistake seem to bear out that fact that God was not pleased in what Abram did by going to Egypt. Now let me ask you this. Was there a miracle waiting for Abram? Well, the Bible says there was a famine in that land. You know, Josephus uh, uh, tells us, yes, there, there was a famine in that land. Exactly. So, so what in essence it was, was God was waiting with manna from heaven and He's waiting to pour it out on Abram. And Abram left. Man. What would the Scriptures have read if he would have stayed? Let's think about it. It might have taken up another chapter or two just in, in, in giving us all of God's provision for Abraham as he was there in a famine. God can't handle famines. I mean, that's too much, right? No. No. And God was ready to pour out the wealth of of heaven itself down on Abram. And Abram, as they were going, he took off. And he missed the blessing. You say, oh, bad boy, Abram. Bad boy. You say, bad boy. And yet, don't you see how Scripture rolls through? Nothing, as Solomon said, is new under the sun. What the, the, the mistakes that he made are the exact same mistakes that we remake in the day and age in which we live. And so the plan of God continues to go forward. And there continues to be a need for, for, for someone to intercede. We, we need intercession from heaven above because we just are never going to get it right. And, and Abram's children, were they any better? Oh, we'll wait a little while. We're going to be into that. But it didn't get any better. And you, you would think, oh, these are people who had the blessing of God. And, and, and they were going to be blessed by those who blessed them. And, and, and there would be cursing from those who cursed them. Wow, they, they should be like super faithful, Right? They're no more super faithful than we're super faithful. We're repeating the very same things over. Are, are we blessed? Well, look at this. Do I look skinny and, and de you know, deprived of food? Do I look uh, poorly dressed? Now, my jacket doesn't really fit my pants. I know that. Okay, I just threw it on. And then I looked at it and I said, Ooh, boy, that looks really good. But, you know, but, you know, but we are rich. We are rich. Aren't we? We're rich. We got everything. And what do we do? We just keep grinding away on life. Grinding away. Foundations go deeper and deeper. Grinding away on life. Trying to get more and more and more and more. Are we repeating the same mistakes? All We are repeating the exact same mistakes. We can look at Abram and we can say, oh, well, you know, Abram, he made that mistake and he should have gone from Haran and he shouldn't have gone to Haran and he should have gone from Ur to Chaldees over to the promised land. We do the same stuff. There's nothing new under the sun. 
And then he begins through human uh, conniving and, and his own thinking process. He said, oh, these pharaohs, they're, they're terrible with women. They got harems, huge harems. And, 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 and apparently Sarah was pretty good looking. In fact, uh, Josephus makes mention of that too. She was very good looking. She was so good looking that exactly what Abraham had thought would happen did happen. And the whole of Egypt took note of Sarah. Now, wow, she must have really been good looking, right? She really was. But God intervened, didn't He? God intervened basically to take a whip and to whip Abram all the way back to Canaan. Get back where you were supposed to be. I said I'd bless you. I said that I would take care of you. I will take care of you. Now get back. And he went back. So all these blessings, that, that, that earthly blessings that are given to the nation of Israel, are they based on obedience? If we do, all conditional, if we do, He will do. No. You see, there's nothing new under the sun. It says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. You say, well, well that, was a, that was a different gospel, you see. Uh, Abraham, he, he was saved by a different gospel, you see. Oh, he, he, he was the father of our gospel, saith Galatians chapter 3. Same gospel. By faith, through grace, we have presence with the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can see the plan as it marches all the way through history. It is said by one, history bows the knee to the eternal plans and purposes of God. You say, how can God do that? How can He make the, the, the reactions of a nation or a different nation or, the, or a people, how can He make them blend into this great plan that He has which He formulated before the foundations of the world? But He does it. Watch it unfold. Watch it unfold. And so we have 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that tells us that, that, that there, was a, there was a rock and it was struck for, for water. And 1 Corinthians tells us, this rock is Jesus. Well, you see, that whole scene was in order to illustrate the Son of God. You say, wow. Well, how many other things in the Old Testament? Well, go. <laughs> it's beautiful. And, and, and what we do is we get a deeper and deeper appreciation for the salvation offered by the Lord Jesus Christ. We begin to dig into the Old Testament and we begin to appreciate the beauty of this salvation that He's offered for us. That is by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Elizabeth Barrett Browning said this, Earth is crammed with heaven and every common bush aflame with God. But only those that see take off their shoes, the rest just simply sit around and pluck blackberries. Oh, you see, there it is, the Old Testament. 
it, it's not it's not detached from the New Testament. It isn't it isn't forever separated from the New Testament. It, it's all one big story. The Lord Jesus Christ said, "Go go back there. These things they speak of me." And when we miss that, and we begin to just uh, 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 treat it as a historical document, and, and we begin to go through it in, in a very exacting kind of a way, uh, uh, like, a, like a, a professor in a college or something would go through it, we miss the whole point. And so we have the seed plot for the son of the living God. His name was... Abram, later to be Abraham. And from his seed would come a great nation. And from that great nation would come the King of kings and Lord of lords, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And He's the end of the story. He's what it's all about. It all builds up to Him as our Lord and Savior, Redeemer of mankind. Have you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you bowed your knee recognizing that you're a sinner and that you're undone before God and that you need the Savior? That's why we go to the beach with, with, with the board and, and, and we begin to present the Gospel because we're living in a dying, dying world. I, live, I, I work around death all day long. The shame of it is the death isn't only about, about 16 or 17 years old. And it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I listen to these kids spewing out vile every day and my heart just breaks. Had a young man this, this, this past uh, Friday, Thursday, Friday, doesn't matter. He comes up to me, and I'd heard some pretty vile things come out of his mouth. I'd heard some pretty putrid things come out of his mouth. And he came up to me, and he said, Mr. Renth, are you a Christian? I said, yes, I am. And I'm not making this up. His head went like this. And I began to ask him what it was to be saved. And he couldn't give the gospel any clearer. There ain't nobody in this room could give it any clearer than he gave it to me. I said, you're, you're a believer? He said, yes. I said, you're not living like one. I had to get real honest. And he just bowed his head. And he went right back to his desk. And I haven't heard a peep out of him since. Not a word. We need to live the gospel, don't we? He is what they call a Christian rapper. You, you take that and whatever you want to do with it, it's fine with me. But I have his card. He gave me his card. He's a Christian rapper. And he knows the gospel real well. Whether he's truly accepted it in his heart, I don't know. But, but then I began to think about this ugly soul. 
when he was in high school. And it was nothing to write home about either. And I talked to him since. Because I recognize 1 John 1 9 says, You confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I, I left it there. And he knows that as well as I did. But we need to live the gospel. We need to speak the gospel too. How will they know unless you tell them? But we need to live the gospel. We're living in the last days. I am convinced that we are living in the last days. Speak it. Speak it while it can be spoke. Because once we are taken into heaven, not another word needs to be said. It's just praise and adoration for the Lamb of God that took away sins that we have. And so right now we have that by faith. We have that privilege by faith to speak out and live out the gospel. We need to do it because it's not too long and the Lord's going to come and His plan's going to go forward from the rapture of the church through the seven years, through the thousand years, Satan loosed, Satan crushed again and put back down again into the lake of fire. It's going to march forward. We need to live while there's time to live for the glory of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our God and our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for the Word of God is very clear that you have a plan for Israel and your plan marches forward. You have a plan for your church and that plan marches forward. Our Father, we just pray that we get on board. We no longer sit on the sidelines and, and watch the parade as it goes by. That we jump in, get involved, get on board. Help us to walk aright, more by faith and less by sight. In the Lord Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen.